0: The Refreshing Florida podcast is shared from the hearts of Aaron and Melanie Immel. Enjoy and be refreshed. Tonight we're going to talk about our relationship with our Father in the series, Building an Unshakable Life in the Spirit. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you and praise you that your Word is so powerful that it changes everything. It is the absolute rock foundation that we build our lives upon. Your word is unshakable. Your word will never fade or or go away. It will last forever. It lasts beyond anything else. It is eternal. And so Lord, we we wanna build our lives upon your promises and upon everything that you've spoken to us and whispered to our hearts and revealed to our spirit. And we just honor the word of God tonight and we ask you to make it come alive Make the word of God, your words to us, come alive tonight that we can be strengthened and encouraged as we build this unshakable life in in your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you want to turn or click or swipe or whatever you do uh, to Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at that. A couple of verses there. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 powerful the whole chapter 8 is amazing and we will we will get into some more of that later because there's so much of it that does pertain to our relationship with God but and i'm sure all of you have heard these verses and you understand these principles but it's so powerful to refresh ourselves with these truths because this is the stuff that makes us or breaks us. This is the stuff that helps us have victory in the tough times, in the difficult battles and things like that. Now, there are a lot of people that sometimes they battle their whole lives with, and they struggle with understanding their relationship with God. Other people uh, that maybe are new as believers, they haven't even heard. They don't understand. They don't comprehend. It has not been revealed to them uh, their position in Christ, how unshakable it really is. So there's so many scriptures that that go along with this topic. We'll never. We can't go through them all. But the next, you know, tonight and the next, uh, the next meeting, uh, we want to cover some of the most uh, important ones that are the bedrocks. So just going to dive in. Let's read in Romans chapter 8. I'm reading out of the New King James, and then I'll read out of the Passion Translation. Romans eight fourteen starts off saying, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god and if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together that's romans eight fourteen through 17 now i read it out of the passion translation which is pretty good the mature children of god are those who are moved by the impulses of the holy spirit And you do not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us, As he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. We will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Wow! (laughs) Good stuff right? So let's look at a few of these things and just in this verse. So it talks about being led by the Spirit and then the Passion Translation talks about being moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. So before we were born again we weren't led by the Spirit. We were led by the flesh and the world and whatever other influences, demonic influences, whatever there may be, natural influences. Our fallen nature led us around and, and so now that we've received the Spirit of God, we've been born of the Spirit of God uh, through salvation, we don't have a spirit of bondage, we have a spirit of adoption which, by which we cry out, Abba Father. So we are, we are uh, adopted into the Father's family. We are actually sons and daughters of God himself through Jesus Christ. This is a powerful uh, revelation that we have to get a hold of if we don't, right? Because everything else is based on this. All of our prayers, all of our uh, all of our communication with God is based on how we feel and see ourselves in relationship to Him. So this is so important that we get this right, right? And, and a lot of people, they struggle with it. I struggled with it for a few years uh, until I got a hold of enough... A scripture and revelation of that scripture uh, to understand his um, unconditional love. (laughs) You know, so many of us grew up in homes that maybe we didn't see that modeled out. We didn't see unconditional love. We saw love based on our performance or based on if we if we did everything right, did did everything according to the expectations of uh, one or more of our parents. Or maybe later in life, it's jobs and bosses and people we look up to. Maybe uh, marriage uh, partners, where you know we're trying to meet that person's expectation and we just keep falling short. And and so we have this uh, inaccurate measure of love based on performance or based on if the person I'm trying to please is pleased or not. And so when we get a hold of the revelation that we're adopted into God's family, we're His children. When we get a hold of the idea that He loves us unconditionally, it is an absolute breakthrough for us. And we've got to get to that place or we'll always struggle. Mm -hmm. So, His Spirit in us bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. This is comforting. This is powerful comfort. And we have to remind ourselves of this. And we're not going to go into this right at the moment. But just verse 17 starts talking about us being heirs and joint heirs with Christ. That's a, that's a whole other explosion of, of, of inheritance and eternal blessing and things that we possess by, because of what Jesus did. And we will get into some of that. All right, so now let's, let's look at our position in Christ. That's, those scriptures we just read talked about the fact that we're children of God. Let's look at our position in Christ, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that. The the book of Ephesians is so powerful uh, in all of these things. So many nuggets of truth. I encourage you to read the book of Ephesians over and over and over. And you have some of Paul's most powerful prayers for us in there. But uh, just pulling out a verse or two out of Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse four. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions or sins. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Amen. This is our position in Christ. We're not on earth just just spinning around circles, being bounced around and crashed and trashed, Waiting to be rescued, waiting to be pulled out. You know, I know it feels that way sometimes. And yes, we are, we're looking forward to the day when we go to heaven. But our position right now as believers in Jesus is uh, verse 6 He raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are right now, presently, seated with Christ in the spiritual realm. We're seated, what's that mean? Seat, the seat of authority, the seat of sonship or and daughtership or, or kingship. The seat, uh, he's the high priest. We are, we are priests I- in the earth. We are people that, uh, that go, be- ambassadors go between the people and the Lord bringing the truth of salvation. We are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. That should be a number one picture in our mind that we see every day, is that we're not just muddling through trying to figure it out, and it's being bashed on all sides. We're seated with Christ. We need to view our lives and our circumstances and everything that we deal with, even the people we deal with, from the position of victory, from the position of being seated with Christ. Christ is not, Jesus is not in a turmoil jesus is not wondering and wringing his his hands of what's going to happen what are we going to do he is seated in peace and strength and authority at the right hand of god and so are we amen so we're not we're not like these little wimpy orphans being beat up by the bad bad devil we are seated with christ for a reason we have a job to do we have we have witnessing to do we are representatives of heaven into the in the earth while we're breathing breath. So, this is a powerful position that we are in right now. And then I picture this same position of being seated with Christ. Uh, I also then, when I read Psalms 23 verse 5, says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's good stuff. (laughs) Why would you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies? Well, that's just a a wonderful, beautiful picture of what's going on. We're seated with Christ. We've got enemies all around us. We're in the broken down world with evil and darkness and things that aren't settled yet, judgments that haven't been uh, declared yet and finished yet, and we've got evil that hates good, and we have spiritual enemies and all these things, and they're all around, but we are seated at the table of the king. He prepares a table before us in right in the middle of all of our enemies this is another picture of a powerful of the powerful position that we have in jesus we're seated at the table this is good stuff so we're seated at the table with jesus in heavenly realms this is our position in christ we're at perfect peace everything's at rest and we we we've already got the victory the victory already belongs to us spiritually and eternally are we going to have battles absolutely but our position is seated with christ in heavenly in the heavenly realms with a table prepared before us all right so that's just some good stuff that you can dig into and you can meditate on this and and look up scriptures that go with it now let's move into some of the practical ways that we use these revelations in our daily lives all right to where this actually does something for us when we deal with thoughts and feelings and uh you know inadequacies and failures we're going to talk about that because you know it's wonderful to say yes i'm seated with christ in heavenly places praise the lord hallelujah you know just repeat it over and over it's good Uh, but what happens when I mess up? What happens when I absolutely screw up? What happens when I don't feel like um, that that God's with me? What if what happens if I'm feeling really bad about myself, and and God surely doesn't feel good about me either? He's got to be mad at me. He's got to be disappointed with me or something. So let's talk about that for a few minutes because this is where this is where we have those breakthroughs, where we get that firm foundation and. I, I did struggle for several years as a believer, as a spirit-filled, on-fire-for-God believer. I struggled with, with some things. I made some progress of like understanding God's love, but then there were things in the back of my mind that I really didn't want to even talk about where I had these question marks, and I had these inadequacies, and these inferiority things that I hadn't really dealt with, That were preventing me from moving forward as a believer to believe God for supernatural things like miracles or answers to prayers. Like, yeah, I thank you, God, I'm saved. But, you know, I'm not one of those special people that can pray and see a miracle. And that was in my mind. That was a problem. That was an issue in my mind that I had. And it's all to do with how we see each other, how we see ourselves in the Lord. So there are different levels layers, I guess is the word, of this revelation of who we are, and, and as we keep progressing with our understanding of really, truly, who we are and what we have in Jesus, it, it just gets more powerful and more liberating as we go. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, Romans chapter 8 again, verse 1 in the New King James says this. This is the, one of the most powerful scriptures in the, in the New Testament. He condemned sin in the flesh. Verse four, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we've been set free once and for all, once and for all. We might have 20,000 battles and struggles with this, but the truth is it's been settled once and for all when Jesus paid the awful price of dying on the cross. He paid the price of sin, which was the barrier between us and our Father. He removed this barrier completely, once and for all. And the picture that comes to mind is, uh, if we were in a prison cell, there's bars all around us, prison bars all around us, and there's a door that's always locked, but then, our Savior comes with a key, he unlocks the door. And it's open. The door's open. But we're we're still running around inside the cell shaking, you know, the sh- the wall. Let me out, let me out. Oh, I want to get out of here so bad. And he's already opened the door. So it's us that needs to understand what he's done for us if we can just grab a hold of what he's truly done for us he has unlocked the door once and for all it's not a question it doesn't get locked back again it's open we're free to go (laughs) there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus there is none and so this is so powerful because it it just blows away all the arguments all the battles all all the condemnation all the guilt trip stuff all the shame stuff and this truth is the absolute key to unlocking the door for our lives in this area. No more condemnation. There is no more. And so we find out what happens is it, we find out it's not God condemning us. It's us. We're condemning ourselves. It's not God that's not forgiving me. It's me. I'm not forgiving myself. It's not God that's not, that, that I don't feel love coming from. It's me not loving myself. And these are the things that come from this liberation that he paid for. We can love ourselves because he first loved us. He loves us unconditionally. Who are we to not love and forgive ourselves? If God forgives us, then who are we to hold anything against ourselves because we feel bad about it or we feel guilt or shame about it? Hallelujah. (laughs) This is so good. All right. So everything that the law required was fulfilled. by Jesus dying on the cross for us. It's a legal, absolute legal transaction. It's a legal judge and jury transaction that was settled and, and it is absolutely finished. And the judgment has been uh, stamped and the gavel has been hit, slammed down and it's finished. When he said it is finished, it was. And we are under no condemnation anymore. God really loves us. The Father really does love us. <laughs> he, he really likes us a lot. It's so good to get that, isn't it? That revelation. It's so good to really understand that just like we have affection and can show love for people uh, that we care about, animals that we care about, just the affection that we can have, the, the level of affection that we have for others. God has that kind of affection for us. And it's so important for us to understand that and have a picture of that in our hearts and our minds. And when we look at God in, in our mind's eye, and in, in our heart, we need to see him as a loving father that absolutely loves to talk to us, loves us unconditionally, and does not condemn us or shame us. It's so important. Let me read in the Passion Translation. We're, we're getting some good scripture here. Romans 8.1 So now the case is closed. <laughs> there remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the Anointed One. For the law of the Spirit of Life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what he or for, or for what I'm sorry, for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish, because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us His Son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? So powerful. So this is a powerful, practical tool that we need to grab a hold of. We need to meditate on it. We need to speak it out of our mouths. We need to declare it over ourselves daily. I would I encourage us to to speak these scriptures over ourselves and and personalize them daily because this is this is the key to getting to seeing progress and making breakthroughs and living the life that Jesus paid a price for. So, not only are we positioned with Christ in in heavenly realms, not only is there no condemnation, the condemnation is out of the way, but now in, now we can run into His presence. We literally need to picture ourselves not not shrinking down low and afraid to come into the presence of God. But now, because of all this abundant love and mercy and grace, we can run into the presence of God. We can run to our Father. That's how that's how we should come to God. Verse uh, four. Uh, let's see, Hebrews chapter four, verse fourteen says. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Powerful. Passion Translation, Hebrews 4.14. So then we must cling in faith to all we know to be true, for we have a a magnificent high priest, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who rose into the heavenly realm for us and now sympathizes with us in our frailty. He understands humanity for as a man our magnificent high priest was tempted and in every way just as we are and conquered sin verse 16 so now we so now we come freely and boldly to where love is enthroned to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us in our time of weakness so this is so powerful isn't it a picture of us running to to our father a little kid running with joy, squealing with joy, running to to their father or a child that's hurting, that's, that's made a mistake or that's fallen down and it's hurting or whatever and is running to their father for comfort. All of these, whatever we need, we can run. We can always run to our father. Never, ever, ever let yourself think that you can't come to God with your problem, your trouble, Your situation, your weakness, your sin, your failure, or anything else. We can always run into his presence. That's just powerful stuff. That's why it says here in in verse 16, to receive mercy's kiss and discover the grace we urgently need to strengthen us. When? When we're absolutely doing great? No. It says to strengthen us in our time of weakness. Ah! So when we feel the worst about ourselves, that's when we should run to God the most. We shouldn't ever run away from God because that's our tendency. Our tendency when we feel bad about ourselves and make a mistake is to hide from God, run from God. But that's exactly opposite of what we should do in our time of weakness. In our time of failure, we need to run to God, say, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. And that's when his, his mercy and grace washes over us and he grabs us and picks us up like a father does a little child and he helps us. Wow. <laughs> this is a whole different picture than the religious picture of an angry God and you better toe the mark and da 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 da. This is good stuff, isn't it? All right, so let's take this practical stuff a little further. What about when we do sin? What about when we do mess up? What about when we do choose wrong? Choose choose bad we just we just fail and we choose things we know that we shouldn't choose and we mess up what do we do about that well you your Christian walks over sorry <laughs> no that's not true thank God that's what some people would say but that's not what God says so here's the verse it's a familiar verse more than likely first John 1 9 see we need to be honest with God so we have this relationship we can we we're unconditionally loved we're seated in the family, been adopted into the family of the king. We're seated at the table honored with the Lord as children of God. We can there's no condemnation, we can run into his presence anytime we want. And then this next principle is being honest with God. We can we're free to be honest with God. It doesn't break God. It doesn't mess him up for us to tell him exactly what's going on. <laughs> Some people take it to the extreme you know and they live these lives that don't produce christ-like fruit and they say well i'm just being honest with god well there's there's you know i'm saying there you can take any of these things too far but the truth is that when we're honest with god it opens the door to his mercy when we need it the most first john 1 9 if we confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I like reading now the Passion Translation. But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, he will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Christ. And he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow, that's powerful stuff. That's a powerful verse of Scripture. And it talks about the fact that we can be honest with God and come to Him in our time of weakness and failure and confess our sins. Instead of trying to hide, make excuses, uh, you know, change, change the standards to, say, to make ourselves feel okay about our lifestyle or our choices or mistakes, we confess our sins, especially when His Spirit, His light, His love and mercy. Uh, comes to us and and gently speaks to our hearts about a sin she Reveals something he doesn't come to us with condemnation. He comes to us with gentle and loving conviction it's, It could come abruptly and strongly a conviction where we were blinded in an area But he's he's a, a loving Heavenly Father and he cares about us and he wants to help us so his light will shine on an area in our lives and we realize that we've we've heard his heart and we've done some things or chosen some things that weren't weren't right, and we need to. All we need to do is confess and admit it, and say, "I need your help." And He cleanses us and forgives us. The last thing I want to share is the concept of repentance, which is what we're talking about here in First John one nine. Listen to this. This is a really good scripture in Isaiah. And I hope you're jotting these down so you can d- dive a little deeper into them later. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says this, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. That's good stuff. Isn't that good? In repentance and rest is your salvation. Repentance is a good thing. Um, Sometimes it's pictured, you know, like, Better repent or you're going to go to hell, the flames of hell, you know, you know, fire and brimstone. And that, while that is true, you know, black and white, absolute truth, if you don't repent, you, you will end up in hell, yes. But repentance is also a lifestyle. It's not just, oh my gosh, I got to run from sin or I'm going to go to hell. It's also this lifestyle that was uh, revealed there in 1 John 1.9 of confessing our sins. Repentance means to turn from or to change directions or return to something, return to a truth, return to a place that you're supposed to be. So repentance, we we have to repent on a regular basis and it's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Repentance is part of how we live our life for Jesus let me read acts chapter 3 verse 19 repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord so repentance brings refreshing and that's uh, that's been a powerful truth in our lives repenting turning to God sins are wiped out and times of refreshing come from the Lord so it's a lifestyle so these are the practical scriptures that help us stay in our relationship with God, strengthen our relationship with God, and keep us in that, that right standing in our position in Christ.